one day things are awesome the next day you're like oh i made a mistake the next day you're like oh this is working the next day you're like oh i'm broke i have no money the next day you're like oh this is kind of working the next day it's like gosh (laughs) i suck you know everything sucks i suck what am i doing welcome to let's give a damn i'm nick lapara and this is my chance to talk with ordinary people doing extraordinary things because they saw something wrong that needed to be made right and they gave a damn about it Today's conversation is with my dear friend, Jeremy Cowart. Jeremy has been named the most influential photographer on the web by Huffington Post and Forbes. He has photographed Taylor Swift, Sting, Emma Stone, the Kardashians, and many other celebrities. One time, he even went on tour with Britney Spears. His clients include ABC, Fox, A&E, Discovery Channel, ESPN, and others. His work has been published in Rolling Stone, ESPN, USA Today, Fast Company, The New York Times, virtually everywhere. But he doesn't care about all that. Honestly, he doesn't. Instead, he is orienting his life around loving people, and he is in the beginning stages of building a hotel chain. All that and more in our conversation. Welcome, Jeremy. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for joining me. I'm incredibly excited that you're here. For starters, you're one of the most inspirational people I know, but you're also episode one of season one of the Let's Give a Damn podcast. Dude, congrats to you, man. This is amazing. Pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. Let's jump right into uh, the interview. First question. Let's start from the beginning. Tell me your story. I want to hear as much of it as you're willing to tell. That will help us. That'll give us a framework for the rest of the interview. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm actually from Nashville, one of the few. Uh, grew up um, just kind of a normal, pretty suburban, very normal life, you know. Nothing bad happened, nothing amazing happened. Just very kind of normal, middle-class uh, kid. Uh, grew up very shy, didn't excel really much. Uh, didn't make great grades and just never really knew what would what would happen uh, in life. Um Excelled early at art, I guess. That's kind of where I initially yeah. realized that maybe I was creative. And uh, let's see, got, uh, went to college, studied design, thought I would be a painter for the rest of my life. Actually, then my parents told me about design, so I hmm. headed that route and uh, studied design. Worked for a few ad agencies out of college, realized I hated that world, hated having a boss, hated 9 to 5, working for the man, so... Uh, ended up uh, two or three years working for different companies, one of which I got fired from because <laughs> I wasn't creative. So I uh, got booted from there. Um, and eventually started my own design firm, doing graphic design for musicians and just basically all my friends. My friends at the time who were not famous at all, but are now famous. So we all kind of came up together. And um, yeah, it's all been a very accidental kind of organic journey for me yeah parents siblings yeah uh yeah my mom and dad two older brothers so i was the youngest of three boys out in hendersonville tennessee the hometown of johnny cash so you were the youngest of three brothers were they different from you in terms of you know being better at school getting the good grades was did that play into your story at all in terms of like looking up to them and saying well i'm not (laughs) not as good as them or was that not 
really the case? Uh, none of us were that smart. <laughs> okay. Uh, they were, let's see, my older, oldest brother, Mike, was the kind of the the super good looking one, the wild one, kind of the free spirit, the part, you know, he liked to party and just, his whole life was just fun. He just wanted to have fun. Benji, uh, Benji was the most talented of the three of us, uh, just super skilled and music and performing he was always the lead in the school play so he's super creative um and then i was just kind of the the quiet you know the quiet shy kid you know yeah. the background and they were both certainly my my heroes i looked up to them a lot there was never much you know jealousy or bitterness i just loved my brothers yeah we, we all got along pretty well one of the things i love about your story is that you weren't amazing at school you know you i've heard your story many times i've seen your video many people that are listening probably have as well and you talk about your grades you even show your grades Mm -hmm. on there because i think we had this you know you weren't the kid that the teachers were looking at as like this prodigy and like oh they're going to go up and do grow Mm. up and do great things most people look at people that have changed the world the famous and and they think that they they uh think that there's something maybe big that happened when they were younger or they were the smart smartest kid and as i learn more and more about people that isn't the the mm-hmm. case yeah. um, and so i love that about your story i think that's something that helps us identify mm-hmm. more with what you're doing and maybe gives us more confidence to go and do things um talk for a second about some of the amazing opportunities you've had before we get into the purpose of this podcast and mm-hmm. before we talk about the areas in your life where you have given a damn about others and big ideas, talk about some of the amazing opportunities you've had to work with uh, some people just to give listeners context. Yeah, um, it's everybody from Imogen Heat to the Kardashians to, um, I'm trying to think of people I usually don't say because I usually say Taylor Swift, right. Carrie Underwood. Yeah. Uh, but there's been a long list, just tons and tons of musicians, hundreds of album covers over the years. Uh, it's a long list, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been wild, man. It's been really wild. Yeah, and so most bios that I've seen for you, they start out with celebrity photographer because that's what people people mm. get. They get goo goo and gaga around these yeah. celebrities, and so that's what I've seen first. But why you're on this podcast today is not because you've photographed Taylor mm-hmm. Swift or been on tour with Britney Spears. Um, I have something else in mind. <laughs> and so uh, the next question, was there a specific, so you've told us a little bit about your story. Was there a specific moment or circumstance in your life where that happened where you began giving a damn about others and about these bigger mm-hmm. ideas that are world changing? Or was it more of like a progression, like a series of things that happened? It was probably a series of events. I mean, I was raised in the church, so you're you're raised hearing, you know, care for the poor, love your neighbor, blah blah blah. You know, you hear that growing up in the church, and and obviously I was thankful for that. But it's not really until you really see it and experience it that you understand. Okay, there really is devastating needs around the world. There are people that um, that live very differently than we do. And they, um, actually, a lot of them don't need help, but a lot of them do need help. And so, um, you know, I think it was probably that first trip to Africa in 2005 that I went on that um, that was kind of my first real culture shock, being dumped into the middle of the bush in the middle of nowhere, having, you know, eating, you know, having these people cook for us, raw goat and you know, uncooked chicken and drinking mm-hmm. hot, you know, 
dirty water and you know just kind of living their life that was uh that was pretty intense so yeah that that gets in your system you just never forget it and right i think about that trip probably on a weekly if not daily hmm. basis um think about the experiences i've had so so yeah that was certainly a uh a wake-up call to me going wow this is this is legit it's done something to me it's it's weird because a lot of times like another photographer going on another trip to africa it's really useless like we don't need more photographers in third world countries and so as much as i think that even i was useless on that first trip what the what those trips do do is they uh they plant a seed you know exactly because here i am 10 years 12 years whatever 15 years i can't count uh <laughs> later doing things that do matter um but if it weren't for that trip of me being another useless white person in africa you know that it just planted a seed like okay wow there's there's need out there and that trip was so much more fulfilling than you know shooting whatever next celebrity so um that i've just seen a lot of articles and things over the last few years of people making fun of the you know the the missionary going to africa and really not helping anybody it's almost hurts more than it helps right which I agree with to a certain extent, but I would also say that like the seeds have to get planted somehow. Absolutely. Um, and I would say that every effective person that is now doing work around the world, they've probably first started on a useless trip as well. So anyway, yeah, that's how it started. Yeah, me. it seems like that was a pivotal moment then, right? In 2005, mm -hmm. where yeah. that sparked something that you, you said you still think about it on a mm -hmm. weekly basis. And funny enough, that was my first expo. I never heard of yeah. it before, but I, that, that uh, coffee table book that came yeah. out of that. I still have it. That's I still awesome. have it packed away somewhere. Um, and the cool thing is that people, uh, yeah, that's a very pivotal moment that happened there, I think, for you. And that can happen anywhere, though, right? Mm. People don't need to go to... No, I think I want people to travel more and get exposed mm. more. I've traveled all over the world. You have, and those are experiences that I'll never forget. And they have helped shape who I am. But that, that thing that shifted in you mm. can happen as we interact with a poor person, you know, right yeah. down the street or... Uh, yeah, you don't have to go to Africa for that to happen. It can certainly happen in your own city. I mean, there's need like that. Everywhere. Everywhere. I think it's just when you're, you know, the difference in that trip is like if somebody goes downtown to serve at the rescue mission all day, that's one thing. But when you fly across the world and you live there, I was there for a month, so four weeks, just really, really... Um, being in it, uh, and yeah. that's when you know sleeping there and yeah. eating the food and dancing with them and singing with them and carrying the water that they have to carry on the top of your head and understanding the neck-breaking pain that comes along with that and you know truly experiencing culture. I do. I do recommend that people, you know, yes, there's need in our backyard everywhere all over the world, right. but it is good to even if it's your local mission. Go live there for yep. a week. Go truly immerse yourself. Don't yep. just show up to serve dinner at five p.m. on a you know. Exactly. So yeah, I think I think that's what changes you is really uh, getting immersed in it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about some specific moments in your life when you have given a damn, and I'll name a few that are yeah. bigger ones. Sure. And you can talk as little or as much about those as you want, but I think they're important. So here you. You still do have a successful career in photography and you could make that bigger and better.
but it seems like you've chosen to do more impactful things. And so talk about like, yeah, is it, has it been worth it so far? Uh, and so let me, let me point out a few. There's Help Portrait. Mm-hmm. There's uh, Voices of Haiti, mm-hmm. which was an impactful, uh, photo- what was it, just a photography essay mm-hmm. um, that really impacted me. I mean, I wept through those photos. Uh, the Purpose Hotel. Mm-hmm. And you and your family have adopted as yeah. well, which which is a huge is a huge monumental thing. Um, and so talk as little or as much about those four specific ones, but then point out any others that you're yeah. working on or have worked on that or or don't talk take one of those out if you have something else that you want to talk about. But I'd love to hear about those specific moments that you saw a need mm-hmm. and you went after it. Yeah, Hell Porcho is was a culmination of a few different things. I remember seeing Chase Jarvis years ago had kind of done a model, like a bunch of photographers show up and shoot models and learn about mm-hmm. gear. And I remember thinking, oh, that's cool, but what if instead of shooting models, they were helping people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, there was this um, thing at the time called Advent Conspiracy, Advent, um, not Conspiracy, um, but it was a movement around Christmas time that just said, what if we did things with our hands or, or gave away time right. or made things for people instead of buying more useless toys. That and, we're going to sell at the next garage that, sale. Yeah, that we're going to throw away or sell. And so it's just this culmination of things. I was like, man, what if we just did a photo shoot for people in need and, you know, did that. And um, so we tried it first in Nashville and then that was amazing. And everybody just said, hey, if you ever do this, I want to be a part of it. So that's when it gave me the idea to like launch it on a larger scale the next year. And to this day, we still do it every Christmas. And it was, uh, I'll never forget the first time we did it though, because for weeks on end, I was getting stories just pouring in from around the world of people having their lives changed by either receiving or even the givers' lives were changed. Like I've never, never knew I could have this much of an impact with a camera, you know, and things like that. It's pretty. Pretty ridiculous. For the listener, put some. Do you have any numbers that you can share? Like how many, how many locations, how many photographs have been taken, and yeah, talk about that because I think that's helpful to you. Yeah, know. the hard part is like a lot of locations never report their numbers, mm. so we can only report the true numbers. Um, we've counted nearly half a million portraits that have been taken, but wow. Honestly, if I had to guess, I would I would say it's it's got to be a million. It has to be way more. Yeah. Yeah, it has to be way more because so many people just never get around to either even doing the counting to begin with or reporting after they do the counting. So it's loose, but yeah, we've counted about uh, over hundred thousand photographers that have participated, but I would even imagine that's way way over a hundred thousand. It's got to be. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, a lot, a lot of people have participated. What about uh, Voices of Haiti? Yeah, that was just a um, one of those wild hair ideas after the earthquake. Which oddly enough, right now there's a oh, yeah. hur- hurricane approaching Haiti as we speak. Um, but yeah, just uh, I just remember wanting to do something. Watch sitting on my couch and watching CNN and just didn't like how the media was reporting it all. So I was like, I'm, I want to. I want to engage and participate, so I went down there myself and did just that. Yeah, so it was uh, uh, crazy to be in, to literally be there during aftershocks, and the ground is shaking under you, and there are dead bodies. Like I just remember walking, walking past dead bodies and seeing people 
running around just yelling, yelling for their loved ones, trying to find the people that they had lost. Um, and just, you know, you're walking by. There were all the electricity was out, so to, to create light, they had to light fires. Mm. So there were just fires everywhere. I mean, it was like end of, end of world. It's actually quite dangerous for me to be in that scenario. But, oh, sure. Uh, but yeah, it was like, in, you know, it looked like the end of the world. That's for sure. And you guys shot a, a wedding, right? Yeah. Or there yeah. were some people getting married, right? I remember that. Yeah, uh, that was insane. We heard there was a wedding going on. Truly, it was mind-blowing. I just remember thinking, like, what? You know, because I'd spent all day just the smells, the sounds, the things you'd see and hear were were like a like a Hollywood movie. And then to hear that during in the midst of all that, somebody was getting married, it was uh, it was wild. So yeah, we somehow by luck ended up finding that wedding, and uh, I took a portrait of the couple, and uh, they wrote on we. I guess the wedding had just finished. And I guess they had served a little bit of food or something, but there was there was actually just one like little paper plate that uh, remaining. It was clean, and meanwhile the church is just destroyed. The church was literally they had to get married in the grass beside the church because the church was no longer there. Um, and so yeah, I found this one paper plate and just had them write anything they wanted on that mm. on that plate, and they wrote uh, "Love conquers all." It just blew, you know, blew my mind. So, in fact, yeah. I think that might be my first tattoo when I get a tattoo. Is taking their handwriting and using that as a tattoo. When are you going to do that? I don't Come know. On. Soon. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, what about adoption? You guys have yeah. adopted. Tell me a little bit about that. That's a hard thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, we've been together for 20 years, my wife and I, and so it's been something we've loosely discussed since day one you know feels like such a trendy thing these days but i mean since we first dated when we were 19 adoption has always been on the radar uh so yeah about five years ago it kind of uh maybe four years four years ago five years five years ago yeah it started started getting more serious about it and uh just jumped into the conversation through some friends and uh met some people in Haiti and started the process. Turns out those people were completely corrupt. Mm. So, you know, we dove straight into corruption and it took about a year or longer to get out of that. Um, so, yeah, it's been been a wild journey. It took us three years to get them home and they came home last of May. And it's funny because people celebrate when kids come home, but that's really when the when the hard part begins. Yeah. You know, uh, so, yeah, it's been, a, been a, maybe 16 months and... Uh, our daughters trans- transitioned. I mean, they both transitioned well, but it's just hard. It's a hard, uh, hard journey for sure. It's fun. It's me. I just see. It's like every emotion. I guess like any child is, you know. But uh, in comparison to raising two of my, you know, biological children, adoption has been way harder for many obvious reasons. But, but yeah, I mean, it's got to be a calling. It, it it is beautiful, but it's brutal too. Mm. So I use the word brutal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have a friend who speaks on the topic of adoption. She's spoken at many conferences and events, and she always starts her talk off kind of in a to get people's attention. Mm-hmm. But she starts her talk off by saying, Don't ever, ever, ever adopt. <laughs> She's adopted five or six children that are now grown, many mm-hmm. of them in college and married. But she starts off to kind of just like hit people mm-hmm. in the face like, This is not the pamphlets. And the videos mm-hmm. make it seem like this sexy, cool thing mm-hmm. to do. 
it's the hardest thing you're ever going to do. Yeah, and then yeah, some. it is definitely the hardest thing I've ever done. I just didn't question. My wife and I, we have a failed adoption under our belt. Uh, five years ago, we uh, went all the way through the adoption process and got the little girl for three days. And then the birth mother, who was 13 um, and had been sexually abused, she um, ended up keeping the baby. That was we, we never even got the baby home, and that's something mm. that has radically changed our lives forever, mm. just spending three days with that little girl and the memories and the the tens of thousands of dollars and the heartache to get to that point yeah. where it failed. And so uh, we hope to adopt at some point, but not, <laughs> we've already seen enough of that world to know that it's not this, uh, yeah, it's, the pamphlets mm. are fine and the videos are fine, but it has to be, like you said, a calling. Yeah. Talk about the big one right now in my mind, the Purpose mm-hmm. Hotel. Um, talk about as briefly as or as long as you want to talk about where that came from what's happening right now um, and how even people that are listening this won't come out until later in the month so Mm -hmm. after the campaign's over but how can people get involved if they would like yeah um, I would say just keep spreading the word on social media I mean I don't we don't know yet the problem is too much and just the problem is too many people want to be involved right sure. now, so we don't know yet. I mean, we gotta we're at, we're at ground zero in terms of building a building a hotel, and so we have hundreds of e- emails from all over the world from investors and architects and designers and nonprofits and just people that just love us and want to be involved and want to work for us. I'm like, uh, we can't we can't hire anybody yet. It's an know? amazing problem to have. It is an amazing but problem, it's but it's still a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And so, uh, I don't know. We're just um, figuring it out. Uh, the vision is a thousand percent there, but, you know, the execution will be, a, will be a journey. Yeah. Where can people go to find out more about that? Yeah, just thepurposehotel.com. You can check it out there. Um, so, yeah. Great. Let's transition to uh, a little more in, in your personal life as you execute these ideas. You always, you're always you always working on a fantastic idea, implementing something new, it seems. At least to the public eye, that's mm-hmm. what it seems like. But family is hugely important for you. Mm-hmm. How does this work out in your marriage and family, the balancing uh, work life? Um, mm-hmm. Because you're a visionary that has seems to have endless ideas. Uh but you have a family. You have mm-hmm. four kids and a wife, and you want to take care of them and love them mm-hmm. well and be there for them. So how how have you for for people out there that at least think they're similar mm-hmm. to you or have that drive to change the world? Yeah. How would you? How do you work through that? And how do you recommend they think through that? Even though every situation and family is different. Yeah, there's really no strategy i mean i tell people it has to be a day-to-day thing like it has to be you know i try to be with you know take my kids to school every morning so i'm I'm at home from 7 to 9 a.m and then i come to work and i typically go home between five and six every day um so i don't i don't work all night um i do send some emails from home but yeah, I try to be home every night and do dinner with them and just play and get home and throw football and jump on the trampoline and stuff like that. Um, but then my wife, you know, obviously we know there's going to be travel. It's not a ton. I think people think I travel a lot sure. more than I really do. Um, I would say I travel these days maybe 20% of the calendar year. Actually, that might be an exaggeration. It might be 
It might be 10%. Okay. But I think people think that I probably travel like over half my time, you know. So it's not that bad, and I hope it's going to become even less. Um, so, yeah, it's it, but it really comes down to just day-to-day, choosing your children every chance you get. I mean, I, I turn down so many things, you know, so many opportunities and so many, because I just want to be, you know, especially when my kids have important moments, like birthdays or yeah. uh, games or tournaments or dance recitals, like, Nothing trumps those. Like you, you shut it down. Doesn't matter how. That's good. Big a deal. Like birthdays are, you know, I will not miss a birthday. So yeah, you just gotta. Yeah, because if you change the world but lose your family in the process, yeah. that's not fun. And, and mm-hmm. every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to hundred mm-hmm. hundred other things that you could be yeah. doing. So I think that's yeah, that's super helpful. That's that's good to hear. Uh, real quickly before we head into the last few questions, do you have any? Tell me about the hardships mm-hmm. of this sort of a life. Because, again, I think from the outside, somebody you know, watching your, your Instagram stories, your Snapchat, your social media, the videos, mm-hmm. if they go to an event and hear you speak, again, it has this certain air of like sexiness and you're, it seems like you're always on the up and up with these things. Tell me about the ups and the downs. Are there those? Do you are, are you optimistic most of the time? Uh, mm. Do you have really hard days? What does that look like? Just to again, to help the listeners get a real grasp on what giving a damn actually looks like. Mm. That it is not always sexy yeah. and shiny and awesome. Can you talk about that for a minute or two? It's not. Uh, you know, there's not always the beautiful music playing in the background <laughs> of the video when you're going through your daily mm. life. Yeah, I mean, it is truly a, uh, you know, there's like, I just posted a graph the other day that was like, one day things are awesome, the next day you're like, oh, I made a mistake, the next day you're like, oh, this is working, the next day you're like, oh, I'm broke, I have no money, the next day you're like, oh, this is kind of working, the next day it's like, gosh, (laughs) I suck, you know, everything sucks, I suck, what am I doing, and the next day you're like, wait a minute, this is pretty awesome, I'm pursuing my dreams, the next day you're like, oh, wait a minute, (laughs) you know, it is that, I mean, it is that. I've, for me, for 15 years, just up and down, up and down, every day. Even like in the last week, I would say I've been more down than I've been up. Hmm. Just, uh, you know, um, I don't know. It, it's hard It's hard sometimes to see the bigger picture of what you're doing when you're just drowning in the details, drowning in the what's not happening. Even though, like, even though I'm trying to build a global hotel chain, like when I remind myself of that, I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that's pretty cool what I'm doing. But I'm not living in that. I'm living in the like what is happening right now. How look how far we have to go and look at all the competition. Look at all the money we have to find. And look at all the things we have to do. I sure. mean, it's completely daunting. So yeah, there's um, it's hard, you know. But uh, but also love it. And I, I always say that my favorite day or my worst day working for myself is still better than my best day working for somebody mm, else. Yeah. Like I wouldn't trade what I'm doing for the world. There's no doubt that I'm happy uh, and having a blast pursuing all these ideas, but it's still work, you know, it's still hard and grueling and, you know, but, uh, but I do love it. There's no doubt. Let's keep going with that for one minute there. As the Let's Give a Damn family grows, I suspect that some people will just listen to the podcast because they want to hear great stories. Mm -hmm. But I think most people that listen to this and engage with this idea, they want to change the world, help their fellow man, fellow woman. Can you give 
some practical steps to listeners on how they can begin doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they're working nine to five, whatever. They're paying off student loans. They've got three, four kids. They don't, they're trying to figure out what, what is my thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, how can I have my give a damn moment? How do I break out of what I'm doing to actually start caring about other people? A lot of it comes down to money even. Hmm. A lot of friends I know say, I can't give to uh, charity water. I can't give to these things because we're all, we're maxed out, you know. There's always room for it, I think, Hmm. when you shift things around. If you want to help out, you can do it. But there's those real uh, pressures that like, Hmm. how do I I even start doing this? So for someone who is years down the road in doing these types of things, do you have any, just a couple practical things you can share with the listeners? Yeah, um, I don't. My brain is fried. I'm <laughs> it's sorry. okay. This is the part you always edit. Repeat that question one more time. Yeah, no, it's fine. So, the majority of people listening mm-hmm. want to change the world. Mm-hmm. I think that's why they're here. That's why they're listening, yeah. consuming the content. How can someone think before you think before two thousand five? Right, mm-hmm. you're doing your job. You're doing the grind, photographing these people. How, how, what are some practical things they can do today, mm-hmm. like in the next 24 hours, things they can do to begin experiencing that shift, mm-hmm. begin uh, climbing over that mountain, yeah. the one that they're never going to return from. The, right. the, on the other side, it's change the world. It's love your fellow man, fellow, mm-hmm. fellow woman. What are a couple practical things that you would encourage? Yeah, I would say, uh, first of all, like you have to, I, th- I do think everybody has ideas. Um and you, you just have to be such a good steward of at least writing those down. Just those little random thoughts. Like That's good. Most people ignore that and get those documented. And uh, this is actually what my talk was about the other day when I spoke at Story. Um, but you have to, you know, there's there's two things that happen when you have an idea or want to pursue your dreams. And to, again, I talked about this the other day. There's either a black box or a white box. And the mm. white box represents um, freedom and a blank canvas to just start. And the black box represents uh, captivity, and we're all kept, you know, held captive by our insecurities and our voices of doubt and our shame and our, and we just live there. And there's a door that you have to open to get into mm. the white, to get into the blank canvas, to just start, you know, just putting that pencil on paper, whether that's the first word of your book or the first uh, mark you make on your painting or the first picture you take, like, you just have to get through that door from the dark to the possibility, you know, freedom. And so I'd, I always say that if you say no, if you live in the, the dark and say no to your first idea, what you're also doing is saying no to your 10th idea, mm. you know, your 20th idea. Because for me, like all of my ideas, it's literally a, uh, a momentum thing, you know? Right. Like each one informs the next and teaches the next. And, and all of these combined ideas have now gotten me to the hotel, you know, because I just have gained so much confidence from each of them and learned so much from each of them. But it all, it all just every time starts with me, like, just scribbling something, just starting. And scribbling can translate to sharing an idea with my wife, telling my business partner about something, just getting the conversation started, so... Yeah, I just think people have to be good stewards of those little whispers, those little ideas, document them, share them with the people you trust in your life, and um, you just gotta, you just gotta, gotta start. Yeah. 
that is an incredibly perfect segue into my next thing before we finish up. Before we tackle the last question or two, I want to encourage you and point out something that I really love about you. Sure. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk always says, ideas are shit, execution is the game. Mm-hmm. And what you just said is is what I admire most about you, is that you're able to, like ideas are fine, but they're mm. everywhere. Like yeah. a million, around a million coffee shop tables right now, people are saying, I had this idea that's mm-hmm. gonna change the world. Yeah, exactly. But why haven't we done it? And it's because the execution is mm. not there. And so I wanna commend you for that. I think mm. that's that's a great example for me and for us that what you said is so so great that the if, if you say no to the first one, you're saying no to the 10th. That's incredibly uh, true and great that these the, they build on each other. Mm-hmm. The momentum grows as you if you when you execute on that idea and you start to see some sort of success from that. That gives you energy, yeah, and yeah. hope yeah. for the next idea. Absolutely. But if we just sit around, if we just pe- put it on paper and write it down, then it's not gonna and just lock it away. Mm-hmm. It has to it has to it starts there writing it down, but then it has to go from there to, mm-hmm. okay, how can I practically work this out? Yeah. Um, and so I love that about you. So and, cool. I wanna, and I want to commend you on that. Well, thank you. Last question. When you die, which hopefully won't be for many, many years, this is a, this is a hypothetical scenario. I'm going to give your eulogy. What do you want me to say? Mm-hmm. In three to four sentences, what do you want your legacy to be? The very first things that come to my mind when I'm tasked with giving your eulogy in front of your family, friends, and fans. Yeah. Um, my eulogy, gosh, I don't even know. Um, um, just that I hopefully loved my children well and that I was present and that I uh, was brave, I guess, pursued, you know, relentlessly pursued those whispers. Um, hmm. I don't know. That's a good question. That's a, that's a hard one. <laughs> Sorry for popping it on you. No, it's good. Um, I mean, I do think about death almost every day because of losing my brother mm. a couple of years ago. Um, that's why that's why I launched the university, which is just to leave all my knowledge and wisdom out on the internet. You know, because we do live in a time now where that's possible to to leave our knowledge. Um, yeah, I have no idea. It's weird to think about your own life and yourself in that way. It feels it feels arrogant to think of you know what I want but I don't know um, well I think you're doing a great job I think your yeah. legacy is going to be worth a lot for yeah. whoever you know gets to see it and I'm sorry for springing that on you no, no, full it's... disclosure for everyone listening Jeremy has a huge headache right now when I came to the studio <laughs> and so I know that's at play here but um, uh, no that's that's good what that's good what you said I mean starting with that I was present with my family. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's huge. I want that on my tombstone. <laughs> yeah. That well, I wasn't... That's, that's probably the hardest challenge because it's it's easy to go home and be physically present, but it's hard to be mentally present. Yeah, oh, you know? totally. That's probably my hardest challenge right now is just turning off work mentally because I'm always, I'm always going, you know. So that's my my biggest thing I'm trying to figure out right now is how to, how to be with my kids, like really be with them. Totally. It's always... I have, I'm not even close to getting there. It's that's my struggle. So yeah, just want to be be a good dad, good husband. That's awesome. Last last question before I say goodbye: Is there anything else you would like to share with the Let's Give a Damn family that I failed to ask you? And follow up. Uh, well, first, do you have anything to share that I didn't ask you? No, I think you're good. Okay, yeah. good. Where can people check out 
ch- check out more about you and check out more about what you're doing. Um, I'm at Jeremy Keller on all networks, and the hotel is at the Purpose Hotel on all networks. And uh, I think that's it. Yeah. That's great. Well, thanks for joining uh, me today, Jeremy. This was an honor, and I'm excited to continue watch you create cool stuff and empower others to give a damn. Thank you, sir. See I you love, around. I love the name Let's Give a Damn. It's so great. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll Congrats. see. We'll, we'll see what happens. I'm honored to be the first. That's awesome. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining Jeremy and I for our conversation today. Please be sure to follow Jeremy Coward everywhere on social media. And if you enjoyed our chat, let him know. Also, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. And ask your friends to listen and subscribe too. The more, the merrier. You can follow Let's Give a Damn on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to find out more about the show and other things we have planned to implement very soon. And head on over to our Facebook page and click on the sign up button to receive weekly emails containing amazing stories like the one you heard here today. Also, if you want, follow me at Nick LaPara on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Snapchat. I'd love to see you there. Well, that's all for today. Can't wait to spend more time with you soon, friends. And I urge you, even today, to begin giving a damn about the things around you that are wrong, that you have the ability to help make right. Until next time.